My name is Ronnie Goodman. Today you'll hear my story on San Francisco people. Hey everyone, welcome to San Francisco people. This is Frank Garza. Now last year I was browsing around on SFGate and I came across this article titled 28 people who made the Bay Area interesting in 2014. And I started reading through it and a lot of the names on there um, were people that I wasn't surprised at all to see on there. Uh, Giants pitcher Madison Bumgarner was there. Apple CEO Tim Cook was on the list. Um, Ex-49ers coach Jim Harbaugh was there. Uh, But then I came across somebody I didn't recognize, and that was Ronnie Goodman. And Ronnie is our guest on the show today. So how did Ronnie make it on to that list? Well, Ronnie, he's an artist. Um, His work has been featured um, in shows and exhibits throughout San Francisco. And he's also a runner. Uh, Last year, Ronnie finished the second half of the San Francisco Marathon. But what I think has touched people the most about Ronnie's story is that he's accomplished all of these things while being homeless. Most nights, Ronnie spends sleeping um, under a freeway near downtown San Francisco. But he has not let that stop him from accomplishing all of these great things. So I tracked Ronnie down and I asked him to be on the show and he agreed. So we sat down and uh, he told his story to me. Now, it's putting it mildly to say that Ronnie's had some real challenges in his life. He grew up in the projects. He dropped out of high school when he was 17 years old. He got into drugs and alcohol, and became an addict. And the downward spiral from there eventually led to him going to prison um, where he spent about eight years of his life. But while he was in prison, Ronnie made the decision to turn his life around. And he credits a couple programs um, within the prison system that that helped him do that. Um, The first one was an art program that gave him a creative outlet and helped him return to doing something that he had always loved doing since he was a kid, which was drawings and paintings. And he also joined the Thousand Miles Running Club, um, which was a group that taught him a lot about running and how to lead a healthy lifestyle. So since leaving prison, Ronnie's been sober and drug-free And he also credits another program with helping him do that. Um, That's the Hospitality House in San Francisco, which puts on a community arts program that provides, you know, a free art studio, uh, art guidance, and supplies to community artists like Ronnie. Um, Last year, Ronnie returned the favor to Hospitality House by raising $10,000 for them um, when he ran the San Francisco Half Marathon. So Ronnie's going to share his story with us today. He's going to start from the very beginning and talk about what led to him hitting rock bottom, um, how he turned things around, and how he made it to the finish line of the San Francisco Marathon. And of course, he's also going to share with us what some of his favorite things are about San Francisco and the Bay Area. So let's go talk to Ronnie. I was born in Los Angeles. Um, my mother um, had me when she was young. She was only 15. She was very young when I was born. So she was like a child herself. Mm-hmm. And so we moved to San Francisco right after that. And so from that point on, um, I had my sister she, a year later. And I was. I was fatherless. She didn't. My sister didn't have a father. I didn't have a father. So it was just. I grew up in, and I grew up. And you never met. No, you never met your father. I never met my father. Um, 
my mother, she did the best that she could, you know, and I, if I look back on it now, I'm like, wow, she was nothing but a child herself, a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, now I understand, you know, she was, she, she was illiterate. She couldn't read or write. My grandfather couldn't read or write. And so therefore it transferred to me. I have, I couldn't read and write and struggle with that until I was in my 20s, you know. And even though I was going to school, I used to always have problems coming home and try to do homework because there was nobody there to help me. It's not, it's not like it is today, you know, the way the school system are today. It was, back, it was way different back in the 60s. So the one thing I can say is that I did a lot of drawing. Yeah. <laughs> so I drew a lot, I create a lot, and a lot of teachers there was like amazed with that. But they knew that I had problems reading, I was really slow. Um, I can barely say the alphabets, you know, mm-hmm. and nobody never really sat down and worked with that. But growing up in school, I had a lot of friends. You know, everybody seemed to like me. You know, I was always one of those. Um, kids that everybody liked. I was friends with everybody. Um, I was always happy. I was always funny. I was always, you know, up. You know, I, I never looked at my circumstances as, you know, because I, I grew up in the projects. You know, uh, what they call on Laguna Street projects was like a ten-story building. You know, they now I heard they it, they tore it down, but it was uh, they used to call the projects where I grew up in was OC projects, mean out of control. Okay. So, so that's Laguna, like down in like Western Laguna Edition. And Turk. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So then I used to grow up in the Turk Street projects, you know, and then I grew up um and what other projects? it was um the Hate Street projects right there on the Buchanan Street, Buchanan A, right around there. I grew up in those different areas. So most of my life I grew up in the projects because I guess most likely that was the only place that my mother could afford. So I think I read that your your mom passed away at some point. Is yeah. that right? And that had a pretty profound impact on on your life, of course. Can you talk about that? When that happened? Yeah. Um my life my mother um you know what happened is that um I was actually going to city college. Um I was that's when I try to get, you know, get my life back on track. Um, it, it, this is like in 2002, you know, our, no, I was in 2000, I was going to city college in 2002, my mother had passed away. Um, and I was doing murals. I was working with Priscilla eyes, doing murals and stuff like that. And, she passed away, and for some reason, I was like, I didn't really think about the purpose of that too deeply, you know, and I thought, well, you know, people, you know, um, people live and they, and they die, and I was really hurt by her passing away, but I didn't really deal with that really with my feelings. I didn't know how much feelings that I had. And it just all of a sudden one day I was on school break um, and it was around Christmas time. I remember that. And I realized that I will never see my mother again. Mm-hmm. And I started crying. I started going through emotions that I never had before. Um, and I started drinking really, really heavily. I started, that's when I started using drugs more. Um, and I just, it just tore me up because I, my emotions, my feelings, I just wanted to just um, numb them as best that I could. I, I didn't, because I didn't understand what was going on with me. It was just... And it just really just tore me up inside, and and that's when I went to prison, and that's when things just got like really just 
before then just things just got bad so right yeah can i ask you how your mom passed away was it natural causes or um no she was an alcoholic okay very serious alcoholic and she died of cirrhosis of the liver and i seen her deteriorate before my eyes uh, and she was um she was she she was she liked to just drink and be out on the streets being homeless and stuff like that that was something that she did she was in a wheelchair and she drank and she didn't care she just really stopped caring about herself you know and uh, we try to help her go back to my auntie house and so because my auntie then was really taking care of her and she didn't want to be there she just wanted to be around her friends and just and the doctor told her that she had to stop drinking and she didn't listen and that's what happened and she just she died of cirrhosis of the liver and it just took her away so yeah yeah well, I'm sorry to hear that um, so you said that you yourself started kind of slipping into drinking and drugs what, what kind of drugs were you were you using um i use any kind of drug there was um this is something that i can get high on i use like um cocaine methamphetamines um heroin speed um acid marijuana you know i'm just um i just want something that's you know just can make me just feel different i feel better than I thought than who I was just because just being straight this wasn't for me mm-hmm. you know so and then I used to just drink till I pass out or just get high till I couldn't get high no more and and just that's what that was my life was about so okay yeah and then you said that so that kind of culminated in you being involved in a burglary yeah and spending some time in prison yeah are you willing to talk about that situation or incident? Like what happened with the bur- burglary and the, uh, the details I was, of that? Yeah. I, I, um, what happened is that I was like sitting down feeling like feeling sorry for myself, you know, just drunk loaded. I felt like it was two different feelings was going. I felt like that I wanted to like, die and and I felt also like I wanted to get high again and I didn't have no money and so what I did I was sitting on some steps so I went up to the people I went up to the doorbell and I just rang it and I knocked on the door and nobody was there and I was like I don't know, maybe I can get some money real quick and then leave, you know. That's what I was thinking. And then I was thinking, I need some drugs. I wanted to get high. I just felt that if I just did that, get some money and be gone, everything could be fine, you know, with myself. And mm-hmm. then maybe I can. this can be a way, you know, um, for me to, you know, just, just get some money. But... And then soon as soon as I actually went into the place, uh, for some reason the police came. Hmm. As soon as I went in, the police came. I was on my way out. I was in, I was out, and the police came. And I'm like, and they they saw me um, jump over a fence, and then they arrested me. You know, and I'm like, damn. You know, um, I say, this is it. You know, I'm going to prison, you know. Um, and the only thing I believe that I had, I just, I think I grabbed like some jewelry um, and stuff like that. It was some jewelry and I think it was a, um, a radio just some stupid stuff. It's just something I was just like, okay, let me just grab this and then I'm gone. You know, and it was like, um, 
it was some, it was one of the most very stupid surreal feeling that you can have in your life um when you reach that point um that drugs can overbearing who you are you know because the the desire to want to the desire to want to get high was much more um much more than the will that are it overrides your common sense you know and you, you get to that point like you want to get high you do pretty much anything to get the drugs in your system you know and and i never want to reach that point again in my life so that part of my life is over with um and i'm very happy about that and thankful and and it's a very shameful point when you have to to sit down and talk about you know doing a crime because to me is wrong and and I want to apologize for that um, because I feel as though that taking something from people that work hard for us is is very wrong you know and and to me I just I just feel ashamed so but that was part of my life and part of my addiction and that that I'm aware of but I can't I can't use that as an excuse right and I just wanted to say that but it was wrong and I just changed from that so okay yeah I want to I want to ask you a little bit about what it was like in San Quentin um because that's one of the most famous prisons in the country i would say you know if not if not the world i actually drive by there every day on my on my way to work yeah you know it's right next to larkspur landing there in marin um i think it has one of the largest death rows in the country i think every every man in california who's executed like it happens there so i would imagine that's some pretty hard time in there is that accurate? It's very accurate. <laughs> um, before I was in San Quentin, I was in Folsom, and I got transferred to San okay. Quentin, old Folsom prison. Um, that was, if I can do the comparison, Folsom was a little bit worse than San Quentin. Mm. Um, I went to a level three Folsom prison, and they had a, they always had a few riots you know you see people get stabbed you see shootings from the guards pretty much on a regular basis uh, they had a lot of gang groups gang affiliations that control the yard control the environment um, it was uh, um, you know you walk out your cell the atmosphere is thick mm-hmm. you know and you try to be careful Folsom was just is one of those places, you know. It's, you didn't know what you was gonna come out alive there. It was a little bit different than San Quentin because of the level. I was level three, and once my level dropped, my points dropped, which is you know down to to level two, which is a minimum. You work your way, and you do good. You get rewarded for you go to a different prison or you go to a lighter level, not less stress and less violence and they asked me what I want to be transferred to and I asked them can I go to San Quentin you know I hear they got a good running program there you know <laughs> you know a place mm-hmm. you can run and do you know I heard they had the arts and correction program there as well I was involved in the art program because I really wanted to change and do something better with my life and to create with my life um, so that point I end up being there, going to the art program, pretty much after work, uh, I was working in the print shop. I was there for about a year, and I was in the running program, which it had one, the 1,000 Miles Running Club, and that's where I really started learning more about how to run, you know, and that's when I really started running for, like, spiritual reasons, health reasons, and to be able to say, you know, for running to stay healthy, to stay 
function as a good human being is to stay healthy and to always be health. Um, I always try to be health conscious as much as I can. And, you know, right now I don't do anything. I don't drink, smoke, or I don't like staying up late. I try to, I eat the right foods. I do the right things um, and try to be health conscious with myself um, because I want to, I want to, I want to live a healthier life. Um, but you really credit those programs like the thousand mile club yeah. and, the art, and the art projects you were. Yeah, I really, yeah. Cause not only I was involved in that, I was, and I was also involved with the yoga class. They had like, uh, Hakka yoga, I guess. I don't, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but it's a yoga that you, you do these poses and strengthen your body and stuff like that. So I wasn't, I did one of those classes there. Um, and I learned how to, you know, do yoga, stretching, meditating and stuff like that. Um, and I, and I do credit that cause I've never been involved in none of that type of stuff. And I think that is extremely important to have tools for guys like myself to work with, excuse me, in prison, because you don't want nobody that's there to come out worse than what they was and they getting out you don't want people like that at all in our society you want people to come out as a better person you know and that's and i think that's important so what do you do you give them tools to work with to change you know and once you know once these tools are there majority of the guys they usually try to get involved and do that not everybody you know, that's just the reality of life. Some people, but the majority of people do want to change. It's not like they go to prison and they want to do the same thing. That's, that's, that's not so. So when you, when you left San Quentin, what yeah. was the transition like back into San Francisco and, you know, non-prison life? Um... Eh, I thought it was, um, I knew that it was going to be a mixed feeling. Uh, it was a little bit scary because I've been gone for a while. Um, people changed, the city changed, and I was being homeless uh, I knew I was gonna go into straight homelessness um, and the unexpected um, of that life uh, has some it has some fears uh, but I knew that the most important thing is just for me was just to just deal with life the way it comes you know, and and just work with what I got to work with, you know. Um, and, you know, just, you know, because I, when I got out, I uh, went to, I went to these different housing programs to try to get on this waiting list, and I didn't want to be in the tenderloin because I didn't want to be around areas that I feel that it might, have some jeopardy over my sobriety. I didn't want nothing to interfere with that. Um, I don't want to be in an area that you see, uh, you know, people out there using drugs on a on an everyday basis. So you know, I've been offered um, housing pretty much in the TLs, and I and I and I talked to the to the lady, I said, you know, um, I talked to the lady and I said to her is that I, I appreciate the fact that you are helping me out getting housing, but we need to try to find something outside of this because what, what the use to me having housing if I slip back into drugs, you know, and I know there's people use drugs. I'm aware of that. I don't, I can deal with that periodically. I'm there. I'm like, I see it. 
But do I want to deal with it all day, 24 hours, seven days a week? No. Uh, I'm sorry. So I'd rather just sleep outside, away from areas that I feel that has a possibility of me slipping back. I'd rather just sleep outside, be where I'm at, and not slip into drugs at all, period. I think that's very important. So the transition from me, from San Quentin to being free, I thought at the time I was scared because I didn't know what I was going to end up using drugs. I was really scared. I, I know I didn't want to, but uh, there's a lot of times I didn't want to. But I, I for some reason, for some something happened that, hey, I actually just it just turns my stomach to be around people that use this. I'll be around it and see it. I just mm-hmm. like, no, I'm like, I'm cool, you know? And I look at my life. I say, you know, look at what I'm doing. Do I want to have a moment of what I think that might be pleasurable and just throw all the work that I've done away just for that moment? I don't think so. I don't, I'm comparing my life now. This is, you know, getting high at that time, I didn't have this comparison. You know, do I want to just throw all that stuff away? Uh, my creativity, my focus, you know, the shows, the galleries, and everything I'm getting involved in. You know, like I got a show that's coming up in the main library. Um, and I'm very, like, happy about that because it's going to be a show about my life, you know, and me coming being in prison, out of prison, me using drugs, me getting myself together. I call it Soul Journey, and it's supposed to be happening um, June the 13th. So I'm really thankful that the people in the library had an interest in me showing my work. It's going to be on the fourth floor. Um, I am like, I feel so honored and pleased behind that when people say, hey, show your work. You know, I'm like, I'm like, man, hell yeah, you know, <laughs> and it's it's a, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling because, you know, it just makes me feel like I worth something every time that happens. So anyway, it's just, you know, back and forth, like I said, um, with me in my living situation and my housing situation. But uh, when I talked to the lady, she told me, she said, you have a better chance when you turn 55, which is in a few months, you can get senior housing and to be outside of the TLs for what we have to offer you, you know. And and I said, well, uh, let's, let's do this. So right now I got a few more months to wait and I'll be off the streets. Where are you sleeping now? Do you have the same <laughs> spot every night or... Uh, I move around. Uh, I sleep under the pathway um, by 11th and um, right there off of Mission Street, 11th Street, all the way down by the freeway, you know, all the way through that path, uh, division, you know, pretty much around in those mm-hmm. areas. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I sleep there. Um, or I might, sometimes I go to the shelter. Uh, if, if, I feel like things that get too cold or too wet. I go to, to MSC South, um, sleep in a chair, or they might have a bed for me there. So I usually I usually use those two methods right there. Hmm. I read a, a, a quote from you. Uh, you were kind of talking about one of the reasons why you love running. And you said, when people see me, they see me as a runner, not as a person that's homeless. Can you talk about that? quote yeah um you know it blows people away when they know my circumstances you know um and to me um it's like it's almost like you know changing into a superhero <laughs> you know here's this homeless guy changing to a superhero you know um uh, changes to something phenomenon because you know i ran the um you know, the most the most greatest thing and the most greatest achievement is that when I ran the half marathon, um, the San Francisco half marathon, um, and I thought it was the greatest achievement there because of the fact not only that I was running, um, I was also doing a fundraiser for Hospitality House. I was raising funds for them. 
and I did a painting on top of that. So I did the painting for Hospitality House as an auction, and I was running for the awareness of Hospitality House. Um, and they just go online and they donate money just for Hospitality House because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, to bring awareness to the jewel of the community, which I feel that it really badly need um, to have some awareness on. And I didn't want everything on me. I really felt like it's really it's it's about Ronnie, but it's not all about Ronnie. This Ronnie Ronnie is about these programs that works. That's what Ronnie is about. So I asked the people, you know, can we just do it like that? And to me, I thought it was great. So it was like I think I raised like maybe over twenty thousand dollars for the program, and the program was so happy. And they told me that a lot of people that they didn't have before to help their program out they starting to get a lot of people new people involved in hospitality house and i said cool you know and i'm like that's to me it was one of the most yeah amazing and the profound thing that ronnie ever done and i'm like i look back on it i'm like man that's that's great you know it's it's like who would believe that? Nobody would ever believe that that I've done that. Yeah. I still like get tickled behind that because I think it's beautiful. Right. I mean, so you made, you made this decision that you wanted to run the second half of the San Francisco Marathon. Yeah. And then it got. I mean, the press. Yeah. Got a hold of this, and then it, it it really took off, and you started getting a lot of attention. What triggered all that? I mean, when did it become just? Hey, I want to run this marathon, this half marathon to everybody's talking about it. Was was what's what happened? Well, th- it brings us back because you know I was um, you know I, I go to I go to this is what happened. I go to Healthy San Francisco, which is I see my doctor, and he told me he said, "Man, you," he said, "Man, you're pretty healthy," you know. I said, "Yeah." And I told him, you know, he knows I, I run. And he said, well, I'm getting ready to go to another hospital. I said, great. And I told him that, you know, I plan on running because I talked to him. I said, you know, I plan on running a half marathon for my birthday. I said, I, I never done this before. I said, I want to do it. He said, um, that's cool. He said, you know, I have a friend. I told him about you, that you you pretty healthy. You's a runner. And and he might have an interest in you, and because he said he 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 liked what he heard, and he happened to be a newspaper writer. Yeah. And I told him, I said, let me think about it, because I didn't want to like, you know, I just wanted to do this for my birthday. It's just all it was to start off as my birthday. That's yeah. all it was. I just say, you know, just you know, it's just me reaching. 54 years old and I'm like you know and the half marathon is around my birthday time and to me I don't really like partying and all that stuff I just rather just do like a run and just say hey I did something healthy for myself and I was wrestling with that and the doctor told me he said well why don't you just call him and you can tell him you don't want to or not and so I called him up and I told him, I said, I don't know, this might not be a good idea. I don't really want to be in a newspaper. Was this the Chronicle? Yeah. Okay. And he said, well, let me come by and we can talk about it, you know. And I said, well, let me think about it, <laughs> you know. And um, I thought about it and I was, getting re- I was getting ready to call him and tell him no. I was just, and what happened is that before I called him, I had called the wrong number by accident. And then by me doing that, I called this person, and this person never usually answers their phone. And something something happened to me. It was like, it's like, this doesn't usually happen. And then I thought about what happened. I said, this is not, the story is not about Ronnie. This is when I had that, it's not about me. It's about what I'm doing with my life and the people who I inspired and the people that's in prison and the people who's in hospitality house and stuff like that. I said, that's what 
my story is really about, you know, but I'm just happened to be there as a part of that. And that's when I agreed to talk to the guy and I just explained to him, you know, I am a runner, I am an artist, and this is what I want to do. And I am healthy, but I think the greater cause is these programs. And that's the reason why I want to do this interview, you know, because that's to me is really more important. And so from that point on, um, just built. Yeah, then the half marathon, people caught on to it and say and call me up and they said to me how would you like to um run um and support a non-profit program and i said well how about hospitality house and they said great so we're going to just sponsor that and you doing that and i'm saying Wow, I'm like, oh my God, what's happening here? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, this is really getting thick. So I'm like, I'm like, I don't know now. I'm getting nervous because it's like too many things is coming at me. And I'm like, I said, all I want to do is do this for my birthday. That's all I want to do. <laughs> I just want to run. Just, I'm going to make 54 years old. Yeah. Can you say, well, you know, I know you're an artist. How would you like to do a painting or something to help wear awareness? for hospitality house and work hand in hand with that and then help do that. I said, that I can do. I can do a painting for hospitality house to help do that and where, where, um, to bring awareness to the program. Um, and so that's what I did. I did a painting of me, self portrait me running down market street. And then I had like an old pair of my prison running tennis shoes, which I've done in prison. It was an old pair of running shoes. And I put that on the side of, if you look at it, it's, you see the shoes ripping. I, I wore those tennis shoes out. They yeah. was ripped to, in the sides. I sew them back up and they ripped again. I tried to sew them back up, you know, with needle and thread. It's just kind of like, you know, because these shoes, you know, you, you don't really get tennis shoes there on a regular basis. And so I decided, I said, these tennis shoes look cool. Let me just draw them and paint them. And so, you know, uh, and I like doing stuff like that as part of my life. So I took that, which I had for a couple of years, and then I just did the painting, me going down Market Street, and then I did the guy who's playing the bass player because I wanted to have, like, this spiritual moment. with it. And, you see, and they had all this color going around. And at the time, they had, um, on the streets, they had, like, this, um, uh, what they call, like, the gay pride parade um, flags mm -hmm. there that's why you see that i'm like i think i said oh this is cool i got more color i add more drama more color more beauty in what i'm doing by doing that so that's when i added all these elements of that i got elements of my life running down the streets i got the prison elements at my old shoes and then the city and i thought it was fantastic i said you know what and the painting was like um 36 by 42 inches and I'm like, cool. And so that's what happened. Everybody was bidding on the painting and everything went to Hospitality House. And that's how everything just caught fire from that point on. Yeah. Yeah. So the the video that uh, I think it's the San Francisco Marathon put together of you kind of oh. running through the streets. Oh, that's from Heist. What is Heist? Uh, that's the name. That's the one that did the video. Okay. Oh, what happened? They because that was awesome. Yeah, that, that is such an awesome video that like will pump you up, right? If and you watch it, that's they. This it was the timing of that was just so incredible because, um, Heist actually did the video right after they read the article, um, and they came to me, and they read, um, my um. Uh, my story and they said to me we want to do a video i'm like you want to do a video of me doing what <laughs> say you running we want to make something beautiful we want to make something creative and and i'm thinking i don't know you know i'm always like hesitant i'm like you sure you know and they said yeah we want to do something beautiful something great something fan you know not like fantastic and stuff like this something beautiful something very meaningful and and they say well you can go online you can check 
check out some of the stuff we done. And I looked at it and I asked my friend, what do you think? You think I should? And you think it's cool or not? And they said, yeah, go ahead. I said, yeah, okay, I will. And, and I ended up doing it. And right after I did it, that's when the marathon people came to me. And then what happened is that the people from Heist finished editing everything. And they said, well, what do we going to do with this film that you got? We want to show people that. And I said, I don't know. This is your job. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm not like that. And they said, well, think about what you want to do, you know, because this is a nice film. I said, well, I don't know. Maybe give it to Hospitality House, you know. And then I was sitting there, and I said, oh, I know. Won't you just give it? I'm, I'm doing a fundraiser for Hospitality House and for the um, for the half marathon. Um, and it might help them out because I'm involved with them. Maybe they can see that. Maybe they might like it. Maybe they might not like it. So they said, oh, there we, that's what we'll do. We'll send it to them because it will help you out, help them out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what happened from that point on. So it was like... Yeah, I'm it's, like, it's an awesome video. Yeah, um, it's, it's great. It, it really is an awesome video. It's, it yeah. is really beautifully done, and, yeah. and I loved it. Yeah. I'm, so so now you just wanted to run a half marathon for yeah. your birthday. Right. Now there's all of this buildup. Take me to the actual morning of the marathon, like you at the start line. Like how were you feeling that morning? Nervous. Because I felt that it was, it was, I felt nervous and I felt like, you know, a lot of people was going to be like watching me, you know, it's not like I used to like this. Okay. I'm just going to be a normal guy, get in and run and nobody know who I am when I finish or, or anything like that. So I come there and people were like, this is Ronnie, you know, he's one of the, you know, so I'm like, he's a star type of guy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, you know, I'm, I kind of felt really nervous behind it because I don't like that type of feeling. I never felt that before. And I'm like, I'm yeah. just, I'm just a regular person, you know? And so some press was there and people was taking pictures. People was shaking my hand. People wanted us was like, you did an awesome video. You're doing an awesome thing. And I'm like, thank you, you know, thank you. I'm like, I'm just, I was really, you know, it was like tears, you know, I was like holding back tears at the same time because I'm like, you know, so beautiful. It it really like, it was so touching to see people kind of like telling me that my video touched their life. My video changed their lives. I showed my video to people who, who used to use drugs. I show people who can change from doing that. It's like, I don't know, it felt like it was some kind of testament, a testament for people's lives. And I was like, wow, you know, and it was like, it was an awesome feeling. And I just, I just want people to know that I'm just like anybody else, but I just wanted to change my life. And, and, and it just so happened the spotlight came on me and, and it was just like that. And the moment I ran, it was just like I felt I got into my groove into running. I felt really good. Um, and people was when I was running, people was like saying, yeah, you know, thumbs up, you know, slapping me high five. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, it, was, it felt good. I was in that rhythm. I was in that moment with people. I was in that spirit because I know that is so important to be in that spirit, you know, and it was a beautiful birthday <laughs> it was a great birthday so i plan on i plan on doing another half marathon but i don't think i'm gonna get to, to, to anywhere near that press or anything like that right now because i'm right. i don't think i'm kind i'm gonna think i'm gonna kind of like keep it really low key because right. i'd rather just kind of just run and just get into running and and that's and that's about it but i'm running to dipsy i usually run the uh, half marathon then i run the dipsy the dipsy run is like really like over and um 
Tennessee Valley running up and down mountains. I don't know if y'all know anything too much yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that seems to me like one of the, about the hardest races you could do. I mean, you essentially start a Marin, yeah. run up Mount Tam, down to the beach, and yeah, back. Yeah, Stinson Beach. No, that's the double dipsy. Okay. He's just running there. It's so a 7.2 miles. Okay. So I'm an invitation, so I'm I'm doing that again. This will be my fourth time running the um, Dipsy. So I'm I, right now I'm into training for that right now to try to get my strength up because it, the run is grueling. I'm trying to get like strength in my legs, you know, in my stamina because it's a different kind of workout. It's like because your le- it's it's like going up mountains and kind of get your legs ready for mountain and going straight because your your legs go and and your muscles um, go into all these different. Um, it goes through a lot of different changes because you're going up, straight, down, straight, around, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And your muscles, you got to get used to to doing that. So I'm training for that right now as we speak. So okay. I'm I'm pretty pretty excited about that. So all of this press that you got for the half marathon, yeah, you know, we've already talked about some yeah. of it. Um, but I mean, you were interviewed on the today show, yeah. right? Um, SF gate put out a list of the 28 people who made the Bay area interesting in 2014. You were on it. Yeah. Um, I even heard there was a ESPN crew that was kind of trailing you during the, the half marathon. Yeah. 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 They, uh, they, they was trailing me. Um, are they going to put out a documentary on you or they, was it a story? They, yeah, they was, they, um, they, what happened is that they had, they wanted to do a um, document story, but for some reason they had other more priority stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of like put on hold right now. So okay. that's from my understanding. But with all of this press that came yeah. out and, and you doing the half marathon and yeah. being successful at it, yeah. how has that changed your life? Um, well, it didn't really change it. Well, how can I say it, it? It didn't change some of the circumstances of my life, but it made me realize that I am a port. I am an important person in my life. Uh, and, and, and it made me see the good and what I've been doing. It, it made me, it made me realize that all the stuff and all the changes that I've done in my life made a difference and it showed that it's for other people because I touch people's lives and it really I really feel that it's like something that is so unique and so beautiful and so creative and so um, I feel like my life has actually just begun I feel like it's almost like there's that was one moment but I feel like there's going to be even more moments of of me because the type of person I am, I'm like, I'm always driving. I'm always pushing myself. I'm always staying creative, but I understand that people are so important, you know, and, and, and my, and my creativity as an artist and, and learning more about myself and about human beings and, and giving, you know, and not being selfish with who I am, just kind of like go. That's why I'm here talking to you because I really feel this is something much more than bigger than myself, you know. Um, but Ronnie is still Ronnie. The changes Ronnie um, go through is just that I know that as long as I stay creative. That's important. Ronnie's going to always be Ronnie. My circumstances have changed. People see me now as as a different person. People see that. I don't have to like, um, um, I don't have to tell people that no more. People mm-hmm. can see that and feel that about me now. People can feel that. People can see that. People walk come into the shop and they see I'm always working, I'm always creative, I'm always running, you know, I'm always doing something in that area. You know, I don't really like, I don't have to tell people about anything anymore. It's like my life is a testament. This is, you see what I'm doing is pretty much, what you see is what you get. 
right? So, I like that. Yeah. So you choose to live in San Francisco, right? You know, despite you know the high cost of living, and you know the difficulty it is for you to find housing, right? Um, why do you choose to stay in San Francisco versus maybe trying to go live somewhere else that's that's more affordable? Um. Well, San Francisco, I've been here all my life. Um, and I really feel that there are a lot of opportunities here. And it's just uh, for for me as an artist um, and me going to a different area, a different city, a different town is like, it's like, I don't know anybody there. You know, I don't know, you know, wh- where's any art programs at? Or where's people who, who are an artist, you know, an, an art community, you know? Um, and, it, and it's like, it's every, I know a lot of people who have, there's people I, I, I grew up with, you know? Um, to me, this is, I love this city. I was, I've been here since I was one years old. And I've been to other areas and other cities and stuff like that, but this is like the most, the greatest city I think in the, that I know of, you know, that I really love. And and to me, I think it comes with a sacrifice. Um, I'm an artist, that comes with a sacrifice. I'm a starving artist, a homeless artist, that comes with a sacrifice and my meaning and purpose. I feel that in time things will change from that. It's just, I have to stay to the grind, stay on that, stay on that path until things change and just stay creative, stay focused, not let my circumstances control who I am. Let me control who I am, you know, and it, I'm, you know, I feel like even though I'm homeless, I'm not hopeless. I feel as though there's there's things about me that I try my best to stay um, in a good light of life, you know, because if I look at my life like, oh, woe is me, this is that, you know, I'm all, then I'd be complaining about everything, you know, then I go like everybody else, just leave the city and and try to find refuge somewhere else and it might just even be worse and then I go from a I go from a bad situation to a worse situation so I just right now I believe um that things will get better and things have gotten better so what are your I always like to talk to people about what their favorite spots are and their favorite things to do are in San Francisco if I asked you what what are your three favorite places to go or things to do in the city, what three things come to mind? Well, I I actually um I actually like running the city, and I like running down Market Street to the Embarcadero, across Aquatic Park, all the way to the Golden Gate Bridge, across the bridge and back. That's one part I can see the whole city, and that's like to me that's like a treat to to be able to run. And then, then also I like running down Mission Air, Mission Street and kind of like um, going through Valencia Mission all the way up to um, over there by um, Laguna Honda to the back all the way to Golden Gate pass through Golden Gate Park and then go along the ocean beach. Ocean beach, yeah. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's hard to choose a favorite here in the city because the whole city is beautiful. I mean, it just offer different environments for different places with different circumstances and it depends on your mood. You know, if you're in this one of the solitude mood or somewhere, you go to a place you can in solitude maybe out to the beach but if you just want to have a fun 
be around a lot of people, you probably go down Mission or Valencia Street or Hate Street. Or if you just want to kind of like be with people but kind of be by yourself, maybe you can go to Dolores Park, you know, and check out the scenery. So this city offers your mood, you know, and your circumstances, you know. So it's it's kind of hard to say that because it's just mm-hmm. like you just like it's almost like ask me what is my favorite piece and this whole city is favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just that you can just, you know, you just depends on your mood. <laughs> okay. Well, the last question I always ask everybody, um, and it doesn't sound like you're planning to leave San Francisco anytime soon, but let's say you had to move away for some reason. For some reason, you had to leave San Francisco. How would you spend your last day in the city? Running. Running? That run you just talked about? Yes. If I had to, I'd spend it running. I think because it's, I run like early in the morning and it's like a spiritual moment for me. It's, it's just like connecting myself with the city and who I am as a person, as an artist. And you look around and you see, oh, this used to be here, but this not here no more. The buildings changed. This not here, that's not there no more. This is changing. And you see the changes in life and you know that the life exists around you. And I just, my last day here would be probably running across the Golden Gate Bridge and back, you know, and just, and looking and just like seeing the water. You're just like right in the middle of the water and looking at the city, you're looking at Alcatraz, you know, Marin. <laughs> so you can't, I don't know. It's just, it's such a beautiful feeling when you do that. When Ronnie told me his story, it reminded me of one of my favorite books called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And this is a book that I've read recently and it's had a real impact on me. But the main principle is that small habits and just small decisions over a long period of time um, eventually are what shape your destiny um, and whether it's good or bad. And that made me think of Ronnie because I think in his early years, there was a lot of just small decisions, um, small, maybe bad habits that ultimately led to him committing the crime that, that put him in prison. But then when he hit rock bottom, he made the conscious decision that he wanted to turn his life around. And so we started doing the opposite thing. He started implementing small positive decisions and simple good habits into his life. And he stayed committed to that every day over a long period of time. This wasn't an overnight success or overnight transformation. This was a five to 10 year experience that Ronnie went through. And he stayed committed to it every day and it ultimately resulted in him reaching that breakthrough by finishing the San Francisco Marathon and getting all of the great press and recognition that he got that was really well-deserved. Ronnie told me that he's 54 years old and this is the best his life has ever been. But he didn't really need to tell me that because when I sat across from him and I listened to his story, that was apparent. He had so much positivity and excitement and confidence in his voice that he was on the right path and that his best was yet to come. And I firmly believe that. Ronnie, I'm cheering for you. And I know that you have more great things for you down the road. So thanks to everybody again for listening. I'd encourage you to stop by the gallery at 440 Hate Street, which is where Ronnie does a lot of his work out of. You can stop in and say hello to him. And you can check out some of his work. Um, you should also mark June 13th on your calendars. Um, that's when Ronnie's solo print and painting show, Soul Journey, which chronicles his life, will open at the San Francisco Main Library. And you should also check out Ronnie's website, ronniegoodman.com. A few of his he- friends helped him put that together, and it just showcases more of his work and more about his life. You can also learn more about Ronnie on the San Francisco People website. That's sfpeoplepodcast.com. From the front page, you can click on Ronnie's show notes, get a recap of the show, 
and get links to everything we talked about on the show, including that great video I was talking about. It's called Every Runner Has a Reason. It's only about three or four minutes. Check it out. It's really great. You can also get links to follow San Francisco people on Twitter and Facebook. And if you have a guest in mind that you think would be great for a future show of San Francisco people, please email me. It's frank at sfpeoplepodcast.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks. I'm Frank Garza for San Francisco people.